Hello and welcome to the Greenhouse Church Podcast. My name is Benj Gould and I'm the lead pastor. We are all about creating an environment where anyone can follow the way of Jesus. So we hope that this teaching helps you on your way. Good morning. Nice to see you. What do you turn when you've just found out some gut-wrenching news? Who do you go to? You know, when you're praying for something, you're hoping for something, and you need others to join you in that prayer. Who do you talk to when you're, you're trying to kickstart a new habit or you're trying to walk out your spiritual maturity, but you know you need others to help you kind of keep accountable to that? Who do you, who do you go to? Who do you confess to when you know you've done something wrong, you've missed the mark on who you want to be? Who do you actually go and tell? Where do you go when you're discouraged? You know, when you just need some people to come around and sit in the mud with you and lift your gaze upwards toward heaven. I want to put to you this morning that anyone in your life that you can think of that's like spiritually mature, you know, that's done the journey and they're becoming a person of love, you can tell that they've sort of been formed in the way of Jesus. I would bet that they would point to some people that they go to, you know, when they need to laugh or cry or pray or confess. So they've got some people in their world that they turn to. And, you know, as followers of Jesus, we are, uh, we just can't be solo Christians. We need people to do the journey with. That's why we need church. And um, we've been talking about in this gathering series, you know, we want to create sort of ecosystems, different types of ecosystems within this little greenhouse that actually help us uh, thrive and flourish in our relationship with Jesus. And uh, we've been using a few little motifs over the last couple couple of weeks. We talked about the table as a central symbol of Christianity, that the importance of just gathering around meals, gathering around other people, um, including the Lord's Supper, uh, that sort of generally maps onto our kind of little ecosystem space of dinner parties. Last week, we talked about the altar, that part of what we do as followers of Jesus, we tend to the presence of God. And this kind of maps onto this space here on Sundays. We come back to the presence of God. We remember who God is, remember who we are. It's an altar, a place that we can come to the presence of God and receive Him again. And I want to talk about the few this morning, that there are uh, spiritual companions that we are meant to do the journey with. We are not meant to do the journey of following Jesus alone. The way of Jesus is a way. It's not just a, a set of things to believe, but it is actually a, a journey in life. It's, a, it's something to follow out. And journeys are always much better when you're doing it with people. So Matthew chapter 17, this is what I want to uh, want us to frame up here. Uh, Matthew 17, verse 1. Six days later, Jesus took Peter and the two brothers, James and John, and led them up to a high mountain to be alone. So Jesus, we know he's got 12 disciples. We know at least there's kind of 72 other disciples that are following him around. And sort of everywhere he seems to go, there's crowds of people. Yet for this occasion, he wanted to be alone together with a few people. He takes Peter, James, and John, three of his kind of inner circle. Peter was sort of the uh, unofficial leader of the disciples. Um, We think mostly because he was probably the oldest, as far as we know, he's the only disciple that was married. And likely all of the other disciples were, were younger, young teenagers. 
Um, and James and John were brothers. John is the John who wrote, wrote the Gospel of John and the, and the letters of John. Um, he famously calls himself in the disciple, in, the, in the, um, the Gospel, the disciple whom Jesus loved. This is like deep connection between him and Jesus. And I just think it's interesting that there are things that Jesus goes to and takes people to that he doesn't want everyone to see. He just invites a few people. So they go up alone to be uh, on a mountain. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed so that his face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as light. Suddenly, Moses and Elijah appeared and began talking with Jesus. Moses and Elijah, two key figures in the Hebrew scriptures. Um, Moses was uh, always um, connected to the, Pente- uh, the Pentateuch, the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, around the kind of leading out the Exodus and giving of the law. So when you see the law, uh, often it doesn't mean just the laws, but it means the story of Scripture, the first five books. Um, and Elijah was a great prophet, and um, he didn't die. And they thought that Elijah was going to come back. He got taken away. And so part of the um, part of the prophecy was that Elijah was going to come back and restore God's kingdom. Elijah was a great prophet. He did all these incredible miracles and uh, spoke on behalf of God. And so Moses and Elijah appear b- beside Jesus, a really um, important kind of theological event that shows that um, Jesus represents, represents both the law and the prophets. Uh, really important. We can't get into that theological detail right now. We're on to other things. But even as he spoke, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from from the cloud said, this is my dearly loved son, whom, who brings me great joy. Listen to him. The disciples were terrified and fell face down on the ground. Then Jesus came up and touched them. Get up, he said, don't be afraid. And when they looked up, Moses and Elijah were gone, and they saw only Jesus. Beautiful, beautiful saying there. As they went down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man, which is, he's talking about himself there, Jesus, has been raised from the dead. So don't tell anyone what you've seen until after the resurrection. And there is, a, you know, a lot of theological implications for this passage, but I just want to hone in on the relational dynamic going on here. Jesus chooses just a couple of people to take with him in this moment of transfiguration, where Jesus is transformed spiritually. And he's inviting his inner circle to actually be witness to that transformation, and he's showing them something deeper of himself than he's showing anyone else. He says, don't, don't tell anyone about this. He's not showing everyone. It's not that he was hiding stuff from other people, but he's inviting them into greater depths of who he, who he is, his, his identity, where he's going, his story, his calling. And I just wonder, as followers of Jesus, we're meant to become like Jesus. Uh, we are to be Christians. Christians literally means little, little Christ, little, little Jesuses. We are to follow the way of Jesus. It's not just a a theological or mental ascent, but we're actually to follow his pathway. And I wonder, as he sort of models out this close-knit little community of friends, I wonder if there's something in that for us. Those people that we are called to invite into our spiritual transformation, to be witness to our ongoing becoming more like Jesus, to be witness and, and to bear our souls a little bit more than we would with anyone else. And I wonder if there's people in your life that you have that to do with. Do you have people around you? There's tons of biblical examples of this. Paul, great church planter, wrote a lot in the New Testament. He had Barnabas, he had Silas, he had Timothy, often traveled with him as he planted churches. David, the great king of Israel, had Jonathan, this like incredibly um, uh, beautiful, intimate 
uh, spiritual friendship. Elijah had Elisha. Moses had Aaron. It goes on and on all through the pages of Scripture. Um, Paul, in his letter to the Galatians, he writes this in chapter 6. He said, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. So carry one another's burdens. That's the way to fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. The way to fulfill that, Paul says, in this uh, example, is to carry one another's burdens. It's interesting, though, it goes on. It says, if anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they, de- they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. When they, uh, then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing out themselves to, any, to someone else. Ugh, tongue-tied. For each one should carry their own load. So the start of that little verse, it says, carry one another's burdens, but then each one should carry their own load. And that, that idea of load there is kind of like a, a backpack. There are things that you are meant to carry. There are things you're meant to have responsibility for yourself. You're meant to have responsibility for the way you carry yourself, your own character, your, um, your vocation, your family, your calling, all that sort of stuff. But there are things in our lives that we cannot carry on our own, kind of like a backpack and, and a boulder. There are things in our world that we actually need other people to, to help lift up and carry with us, and the same for the person sitting next to you. There's, there's, there's stuff in the person's life next to you that they just cannot carry alone. They were never meant to be able to carry it alone. We've got our own stuff, our own backpack. Of course we have to carry that. We, there's, we have responsibility over certain things. But there are things in life that we just need others' help with. The load and the burdens. I wonder if you've got spiritual friends for the journey to help you carry your burdens, to be witness to your spiritual transformation. Now, we, we've been running an experiment for a couple of years. Um, we call it triads, um, which is the kind of intentional space of two or three people or four. Uh, we've got to change the name of that because I think most of our triads are four. I know Julie doesn't like the term triads because it's got the, uh, you know, the Japanese mafia kind of sort of <laughs> thing going on. So we might change the name. Um, uh, but it is about trying to cultivate that space of spiritual companions for the journey. And we know that relationships are actually quite hard. And sometimes we need some structure around that. And sometimes we need some extra, uh, an extra push and extra help around that. And um, so currently there are 7% of our church, um, of all the people that are connected uh, with our church over the last three months, I think on our systems, 370 people or something. Um, 7% of those are in a triad. Our goal is that 16% of our church would be in a triad. And I know that's not a high mark, and so I'm not necessarily expecting that everyone in this room would actually engage in this as much as I love that you would. But we picked that number, 16%, because if you're uh, familiar with the innovation bell curve, there's like the, uh, the innovators and the early adopters and the late adopters and the something else and the laggers, I can't remember what it is. But um, the early adopters, that's 16%. And sociologists will talk about that's the kind of tipping point in a culture or a group when things begin to change. When 16% of a group begin to do something, it begins to infiltrate the rest of the group. Um, And the whole idea here, it doesn't really matter about the program, the program around it, who cares? It's about the concept of that we all need people to to do the journey with. We all need people to, uh, to be invited into the depths of our life with Jesus. And so um, for triads, we talk about four things. Um, it actually makes an acronym. I don't really like acronyms, but this just works for some reason. Um, pace, to help us work, walk at the pace of Jesus. It includes um, prayer, that we would have a little group of people, you would have a little group of people that you would commit to praying for every day, 
and they would commit to praying for you every day. And I think, I just imagine if, you know, 16% or more of us actually really did this, the power of that in our community, in our own lives, just for me, knowing that I've got a couple of guys praying for me every day, and I'm praying, I'm committing to praying for them every day, and we miss days and whatever, but just, it's really powerful. When I know I need prayer, I know exactly where to turn really quickly, and there's something beautiful about that. Um, The second thing is accountability. When I first launched the idea of triads, um, we had the word action there, because I wanted it to sound a little bit softer, Um, but accountability, I think, is a good word, because... um, you know, we all are called to become more like Jesus, and we each have our own season, we each have our own um, calling, we each have the things that the Spirit is leading on us and, and calling us into in that specific moment. And so there are things that I feel called to that I actually need some help around, some accountability around, because my willpower only goes so far. And the trick here is it's not about accountability coming from top down, coming from someone else, it's actually who are you uh, being called to be and, and cultivate in this next season? And who are the people around you that are helping you, asking you questions about that stuff? And so, um, you know, the last couple of years, I've put some different rhythms in. It's so helpful that every week someone's going to ask me a question about that, you know, because eventually it would just fade away if I didn't uh, have some people in my life. So prayer, accountability, confession. We don't like this one very much, but I think this is so important. Um, during the Reformation, you know, 500 years ago, uh, when Martin Luther uh, split away from the Catholic Church, one of the things that we lost was that idea that, you know, if you're in a Catholic Church, you would go and confess to a priest. Um, and there's, there's things about that, that that are beautiful and awesome and some things that are, are, are not so great. And so we sort of threw that out because Jesus is our high priest, we can go directly to God. But the thing we lost in that is a mechanism that I can go to when I've messed up. There's somewhere that I just, I know straight away where to go. I think for so many of us, we've lost that. We've lost the place where we can just go and bear our souls. James 5, chapter 16 says, confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. Not confess your sins to God, but confess your sins to one another so you may be healed. And there's something about being deeply honest with another person that actually brings healing to us as whole human beings. And I just think it's so important. You know, sin really just can fester away and and grow moldy and funky in in the dark. But, you know, when you bring it into the light, it just loses its power. And there's something so profoundly beautiful about that. Do you have some people in your world that you can just go and confess to? And the last one is... oh. Father Carlos Martins, this is a great quote. He is an exorcist. Uh, he's a Catholic exorcist. And most um, Catholic dioceses around the world um, have exorcists, like a role. That's like literally their job. And so this dude, he's been casting out demons for like 50 or 60 years. It's like his nine to five job. And he has this quote, which I love. Um, it says, one confession of sin from someone is, is more powerful than 10 exorcisms. One confession of sin is more powerful than 10 exorcisms, 10 demons getting cast out of you. One confession of sin. And the reason he says that is that because sin and stuff left in the dark has a way of just, just getting a grip of us. And the enemy uses that and twists it, and it can just distort our whole world. And just getting that out into the open is so freeing and beautiful. Um, and the last one is encouragement. That um, people 
to come around you to speak courage back into you again. Sometimes we are discouraged and we need courage put back into us. We can't put that in ourselves all the time. We need other people. And so the triad is just space to encourage one another. Call out the best. Share a scripture. Share a, a prophetic word or an image. There is something beautiful and power, powerful about that. So that's generally sort of the structure we put around triads. Um, but I thought instead of just you know me talking about this for another 20 minutes, I'd actually invite my triad up. Um, wherever, oh, there they are, they're coming in. Come on in, legends. You can give them a little golf, golf clap, round of applause. I made this, I made this joke this morning, but um, Diego, can you just start and uh, confess your deepest, darkest sin? I love you. <laughs> oh, that's dark, that's dark. Um, <laughs> you do have me rattle. <laughs> This is, this is our, our, um, our triad. We've been meeting for about two years, I think, something like that. Um, and, and for me, it's been a very profound experience um, because normally I, I feel I'm, I'm quite introverted and I can feel very self-sufficient. And for me, the discipline of connecting regularly with other guys, sharing about like how I'm doing in my walk with Jesus, uh, confess sins, you know, like talk about the stuff I need prayer for, has just been very, very transformative for me. And I'm really grateful for these guys because when we first met up, one of the things I was saying is that I need to not feel like I'm the leader of this group because most spaces I find myself in, I'm, I'm the leader. And so I'm really grateful that I've had a space where I've felt really like an equal and, and that we've shared the journey together. So very grateful for that. Jez, can you start us off? We're each going to share just, um, you know, our experience of Triad over the last couple of years, what it's done for you. But Jez, maybe just kick us off with um, just what, what do we do? What does it look like? Yeah, uh, certainly. So um, essentially we have a video call scheduled um, once a week, every week. Um, and if uh, it ha so happens that someone can't make it, we still try and push through and um, to go on without them. But uh, yeah, so just, it's a 15, 20 minute call uh, where we kind of share about maybe a little bit about highs and lows of the week. Um, how our spiritual practice is going, Bible reading, prayer, that kind of thing, and uh, where we share some prayer points. What do we want um, our friends to be praying for us over the next seven days? Uh, and just kind of allow us, allows us to just be a bit more open um, and honest with ourselves and just do outward process, um, at least for me, with, with my friends. And I know, um, especially as men, we tend to not share too often, and we tend to keep things inside. And so this has been a very transformative experience for me. It's allowed me just to kind of explore myself, what I'm feeling week to week. And I know um, my wife, Larissa, has really appreciated that because I share more with her as well now because I'm sharing with you guys. It's like, oh, so what did you talk about with your triad? I'm not showing your stuff, guys, don't worry. But I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah actually, I should talk about this with you as well, I suppose. So, <laughs> so it's been really good just being changing my, um, my thinking and my behaviour in, in terms of sharing about... Uh, how to how to be open and honest and uh, it's, it's yeah it's challenged me at times about what should I be doing what are some spiritual practices that I should be going further into how can I have a better relationship with God and it's it's been a really great experience the whole time so yeah. you know would you like me to just general thing yeah okay. <laughs> oh, no power now. <laughs> Um, I, the biggest thing that's helped me with Triad is the consistency. Like, over the last 
few years, I've really seen the value of just spiritual practices done day in, day out, weekly rhythms that have like really transformed the way I follow Jesus. And try has been one of those, and like that's in itself is a kind of practice. Every Thursday, 12.15, I know that's going to happen. And it's also a reminder each week of there are guys are asking me, how was your Sabbath? How was your prayer this week? How was the, reading the Bible? And I, can, I know that question is going to come every week. And so it encourages me to do those things day in, day out, knowing that there's a level of accountability there. And, yeah, the last two years I've been doing, try to, yeah, I've really seen that. It's not an obvious change, but it's just like when you look back, you go, oh, wow, like how much transformed me just doing those little things day in, day out. And, yeah, I think try has been a huge part of, um, yeah, a huge part of that. Sweet. Yeah, so the boys have covered it well, accountability. So there's a spiritual tagging um, <laughs> on. Um, something you want to establish, and I've sort of, there was a time where I sort of stopped praying as much as I used to. So I, I used to pray heaps, and then I just fall, fell out of it, and I didn't find a lot of reason for it. And, and then, yeah, just sort of coming into that space where I'm just sort of intentionally praying, praying every single day, often um <laughs> for these guys at least um gives me that incentive that actually like there's a lot more to pray about and there's a lot more to um sort of bring to god so that's been nice knowing that that's also coming my way as well and so that's why i have to be like all right well i've got to stay cannibals because they're relying on on the other three as well so um that's been good it's actually been really really good uh, and we usually sort of comment oh how's your week and uh, four out of seven kind of thing <laughs> um so but no it's good it's good to get that out there and i think um sort of emphasis on the encouragement as well i think we um do sort of bring a lot to the table um spiritually mentally emotionally i think we um can just go hey actually just you're doing a good job and um, we're here for you if you need anything. And it sort of brings out those other conversations as well, which is quite nice to have within that sort of 20-minute space. So, so, yeah. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Legends. Um, so our, our triads, and like I said before, like, who cares about the program? It's about the concept behind it. Um, but we do have a resource pack that you can find on the QR code, and um, you can register a triad if, if you want. Um, but the whole idea that, like, no one will ever pick a triad for you, we won't assign it, because it is actually so mutual and it's so relational. We're really important about that, that, like, actually you need to find some people that you feel like you can do the journey with, you feel safe with, you can confess to, that you can actually emulate some, some people that you, you feel like you want to do the journey with. Um, and those relationships don't just happen. Like, it, you won't just luck yourself into that relationship. You have to cultivate it. You have to um, shape it. And the best way to find a good spiritual friend is to be a good spiritual friend. And so um, for some of you, you know, this might be a confronting talk because you're like, oh, I don't actually have those people. You know, I feel lonely. And I think the invitation for you is just to ask, to ask God, to ask God that he would slowly bring people into your world. Jesus said, ask and you will receive. And we want to take him at his word there. Um, but it's really important if you are thinking about this, that you pick people that you feel like you can do the journey with. And of course, you know, we've had triads c- come together and that just the relational dynamic hasn't worked and it's disbanded and like that, that's fine. It's like it's trial and error in that sense. Um, but when you're picking people, I love Henry Cloud talks about um, a person is like a, a speedboat and they have a wake behind them, two waves behind them. He says one wave is the relationships 
and the other is the tasks or the actions that they've done. And so you can see with, with anyone what, what sort of, you know, wake are they leaving behind? Are people, you know, having a great time surfing, wakeboarding in your wake, or are people drowning? You know, is there a whole bunch of relational drama left behind that person? Is there, you know, unfinished tasks and all sorts of stuff left behind them? Or do you, do you see people behind them sort of, you know, enjoying their presence? And so when you're picking someone to kind of do life with, it's a really good um, uh, little tip to look at their wake, their relationships and their tasks. Um, but really, this comes down to an invitation. And relationships are messy. Relationships are hard. Relationships are slow. And it's pretty easy to have an acronym up and think, think you know, that looks awesome. But in real life, it actually takes work and implementation. And, you know, you begin to see stuff in other people that you didn't see before. And people begin to see stuff in you that I didn't see before. And you actually have to work and, and forgive each other. But that's actually part of the process of growing and maturing and turning into people of love that we kind of get rid of our idealized version of what community looks like and actually live out the community that we have around us. And so I would love each of us to consider, you know, what, is, what would it look like for me to take a greater step in this area? And maybe you do have people in your life that you share and maybe it's like taking another step of saying, or oh, can we have a weekly, you know, group chat or can we meet up once a fortnight or have breakfast or whatever it is and talk about some things. And just putting a little bit of structure around that can be really helpful. Uh, for some of you, you, you just you don't have anyone around, and you need to just think and pray and ask that God would bring those people into your world. Uh, for some of you, you are, you've got someone pictured in your mind, and you've got to take the step of going and having a conversation. And they might say no, and that's fine. Um, but I would love just to take a little moment now, maybe just for you to just close your eyes. And I would love to just give some space for the Spirit to speak. You might want to open your hands out, your palms out in front of you as a sign of reception. And Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would um, begin to speak to each of us where we're at in our season and the people we've got around us. Would you speak to what you're calling us to do, the little next step? Would you give us names, faces, We ask that you would illuminate from this morning's talk and time something that, that you want to show us. We'll just give you a bit of space.